This is Jimmy. This is Suzanne. And this is Ad Literum. So we're going to start with a story about Joe Medicine Crow. He was a member of the Crow tribe from Montana. And as a kid, Joe was trained in the Crow warrior tradition, tracking animals, riding bareback, exposing himself to extreme cold, walking barefoot in the snow for miles. In later years, he became the first Crow to attend college, earning a master's degree in anthropology in 1939. And while working on his doctorate a few years later, World War II broke out. A date which will live One in five American Indian men and women fought in World War II, and Joe was one of them. He joined the Army and fought with the 103rd Infantry Division. While in combat, Joe wore the traditional Crow warrior paint under his uniform, and he carried a sacred painted eagle feather in his helmet for protection. And the training he received back home on the plains proved useful. He was really a standout soldier. Joe tells the story about one encounter he had with a German soldier during a raid. They were in the middle of a siege and Joe was running down a back alley when he literally ran into a German soldier. When he tells the story, he says they almost bumped heads. They start fighting. Joe manages to get his hands around the guy's neck and he's squeezing tighter and tighter. And as the German soldier is taking his last breath, he yells this word. Mama! Mama! Joe stops. He loosens his grip and decides to let the guy go. And he says in that moment, when he heard the man say, Mama, it was a moment that, quote, opened his ears. I love that story. I read it for the first time recently, and I was so moved by it, I guess. I mean, I've since found out it's kind of a Hollywood trope, like it's in a bunch of movies. I could use a little morphine. But regardless, I, I love this idea that these these soldiers who are trained by these superpowered governments and they're they're arguably at the most robust and tough point in their lives. They're, you know, desensitized and and, and armed to be these emotionally calloused killing machines. And and when all of that state-of-the-art preparation fails, their last resort is to call for the only truly reliable protector, Mama. Lucky for this guy, lucky for this soldier, that German and English speakers both share the affectionate word for their mothers. You know, because if he had, like, said some aggressive, guttural German word, like Farfagnugan or something, Joe might have just kept on squeezing, you know? It's not too surprising that English speakers call their mamas what the Germans called theirs because they aren't too far off linguistically. They're actually pretty close. In fact, all the Germanic languages. Yeah, like Icelandic. Mama. Dutch. Mama. Norwegian. Mama. Um, Afrikaans. Mama. Is that how you say that word? Afrikaans? I'm I don't know. Ask you. <laughs> Swedish, Mama. Danish, Mama. Even in all the, the, the romance languages like French, Mama. Italian, Mama. Let's see, Portuguese, Mama. And Spanish, Mama. Which isn't shocking since in Latin it's Mama. 
even the Slavic languages, like Russian, Mama. Ukrainian, Mama. And then Iranian languages like Arabic, Farsi, Mami. Indic languages, Punjabi, Hindi, Mami. Tamil, Mama. even way back to Sanskrit. Mama. What's even more interesting is that even in languages that developed independently of the Indo-European languages, Mama is still Mama. Yeah, the Sino-Tibetan languages of Asia, like Mandarin, Mama. Burmese, Nepali, Mama. Korean, Mama. and then in Japanese, Mama. You get the point. Mama or some variation of mama is mama in not all, but like a shocking number of disparate languages, like languages that have absolutely no historic relationship whatsoever. They call mama, mama. Which is crazy. I mean, I didn't know until we started Googling all this. Yeah, I didn't. That many. No, I didn't either. Which brings us to this question. Why? Why do so many languages use mama? So this is Liza Bakewell. I'm an anthropologist. She wrote a book that we read while we were researching this topic. I wrote a book titled Madre, Perilous Journeys with a Spanish Noun. So the question was raised, how is this possible? Why was it that so many languages around the world used those two sounds to designate, from an infant's point of view, a mother? This goes back to Roman Jakobson, a Russian linguist, you know, very creative in his thinking. Uh, it must be biology, he concluded. And he started by looking at nursing children. And nursing children can, can make the sound mmm while nursing. In fact, as he pointed out, it's the only sound you can make with your mouth full. The moment we come out of the womb, the first thing that we do is communicate. We make what tends to be a blood-curdling vowel sound, like a short A. To let whoever will listen know that we're cold, uncomfortable, scared, or hungry. And that doesn't really qualify as a word, but since it's delivered at a volume and frequency specifically designed to annoy the shit out of people, it basically gets the job done. Right. And then uh, to shut us up, our parents have two options. They can either chuck us into a river or they can feed us. Thankfully, most of them opt for the latter. Now, Jakobsen says, quote, the most natural order of sound production is the opening of the mouth followed by its closure, end quote. So any vocalization with a closed mouth makes an M sound like Liza said. So when a wailing baby latches onto a nipple, its scream is interrupted and with latching and unlatching, which is typical in breastfeeding, you get something like Now we aren't making this sound ourselves, just having our screams interrupted with a boob. But during the babbling stage, around two to three months, while experimenting with opening and closing our mouths, we stumble on a familiar word, which mimics the sound of breastfeeding. And when we put the two together, we create what could be the most beautiful music to our mother's ears. To exhaust this point a bit, we brought a baby bottle full of beer to a baseball game. Yeah, then we need <laughs> to, to exhaust s- this point. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. It's so dumb. Don't preface it by saying it's so dumb. I'm I can't help it. It's silly. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna take this bottle, make an A sound, and then 
put the bottle in your mouth and then pull it out and then put it in and then pull it out and then but according to Jakobsen, as sweet as the word mama can sound to our mamas, it's not actually our mothers we're calling for. It's just food. Milk, specifically. Mama in Latin also means breast, or to feed from a breast, which is where we get the words mammary and mammal. Right, but it doesn't mean that the German soldier was making a last meal request or anything. We do eventually just combine them into one. And that sound just comes to represent contentment. This basic M and ah sounds of mama, they are so relaxing. They're no wonder why ohm, you know, is the sound used for so many millions of people to meditate with. It's a very soothing sound to just mmm. It's what we say when we're happy about the food we're eating. So bringing this all back to Joe Medicine Crow and the soldier, maybe the soldier was just yelling mama because of this comforting effect that Liza's talking about. Right. Or maybe it's something else. There's a lot of evidence to support mama being not only our first word as people, but our first word as a people. Like, it might be one of the first, if not the first word that humans ever spoke. There is an anthropologist along with a kind of a linguist, there are these two French guys, Pierre Bancel and Alain Maté de Letang, and they decided to do some archeology span on human language. They went back about 100,000 years to the time we all were still in Africa, presumably, and decided that the very first words ever spoken in the history of humans were kinship terms. Mother, father, and also, interestingly enough, uncle. So let's assume that this theory's true, that mama could have been one of the first human words. I mean, despite these two people being from completely different worlds, separated by like thousands of years of human migration, culture, faith, ideology, and whatever else divides us. When that soldier said, Mama, he was unwittingly communicating on such a deeply human level that none of those differences mattered. It makes Mama kind of a perfect word in a way because it's one of the few things that we've left unchanged. Well, I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. Hello? Hi, Mom. How are you? Hi, James. I'm great. I have a question for you. Okay. Do you remember the point when you first heard me say, Mom? Yes. It was exciting. You had an older brother who was not very communicative, and you, on the other hand, were quite lively. I remember we were at a bowling alley, you were in the nursery. The attendant who was watching you came and got me and told me that you were talking. And so we went back to the nursery 
and she would coach you, and you eventually repeated, Mom, Mom, Mom. Wow. A bowling alley. Sorry, honey, that's your heritage. I know it's not what you had hoped. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Willard, Uncle Ronnie, the High Plains Reader, the Kansas City Quitters, and, of course, posthumous thanks to Freddie Mercury and Ronnie James Dio for being our babies. And our moms.